0: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you.
1: The following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days. But that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned it's the right opinion. Our media is either incompetent or malevolent. They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they haven't sent. Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it. We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent. Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit. We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant. Be the elephant in the room, in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room, in a room full of elephants. Boom. Boom. Welcome, everybody. Back to the right opinion right here on the rightopinion.podbean.com. I, of course, I am your host, Harrison Bergeron. Happy to have you all aboard, as always. Let me get some of the plugs out of the way real quick. This is going to be a very special episode, so I hope you guys hang in here with me. Um, earlier in the week, one of the most epic press conferences that may have ever been press conferenced took place. I'm going to walk you through a lot of the beginning of it, but like I said, plugs first. Follow me at therightopinion.podbean.com. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Parler, and Minds, at Right Pod. Feel free to email the show, therightopinionpod at gmail.com. And for that matter, follow us not only here at therightopinion.podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just search The Right Opinion. It's the little logo that's black and white and red all over like newspapers used to be. Uh, You can ignore The Washington Times, The Right Opinion. It is the wrong Right Opinion, wrong. Anyway, uh, also, you could get the show on hackerhameen.podbean.com and rat saladreview.com be sure to check out those fine platforms for all of the best in uh, in in hacker hamin's case pro wrestling conspiracy free thought star wars south park whatever it is if you like it there's a decent chance we got a show for you over there and uh, also rat saladreview.com check them out for all things rock and roll and above and beyond that they also have they also have that same South Park show. They have The Right Opinion. They have a variety of other shows. So check them out over there. I believe I'll have a commercial for you at the end of the show so you can get a little bit more detail about ratsaladreview.com. Check it out. Anyway, like I said, one of the best press conferences maybe ever. Like maybe ever. This was, I I was in my, I'm sitting there trying to watch something else and all of a sudden I got the feed and I I just found myself glued to my phone while what I was supposed to be watching was running in the background. So let's dive right into it. Uh, I'm just going to start playing the audio. I'm going to stop it periodically to emphasize some points, but Trump owning the media with their own bullshit, hilarious. Fauci putting to bed all of the rumors about unrest between him and Trump, or the fact that he might be fired, or the fact that he thinks Trump could have done things better than he did them. None of it's true. Not that I'm Look, I can't put all my faith in Dr. Fauci. He's been wrong on a number of occasions. So has the World Health Organization. The CDC botched the tests. Um, The the models have been wrong from the beginning. Like, the experts are experts, but they don't know everything. And unfortunately, Donald Trump is at their whim, because if he strayed from the experts even one iota, and that caused even one life to be lost, that was going to be the end of his life, probably. Nevertheless, you know, never mind his presidency. People... We're going to legitimately have a claim to Trump lied, people died, but that has not been the case thus far. So, without further ado, Thank you let's much, hear everyone. what the Donald has to say, Mr. President. Take it away.
2: Before I begin, I'd like to offer my condolences and best wishes to the people all across our great South who have endured deadly tornadoes and other severe weather in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and South Carolina. My administration will do everything possible to help those communities get back on their feet. We're speaking with the governors and representatives. FEMA is already on its way. And they got there as soon as we heard the word. I said, get out there. So FEMA is there. And you know know the great job that FEMA does. It's really something very special. So uh, we just want to say, uh, Warmest condolences, and and, uh, we're with you all the way. It's a tough deal. That was a bad, bad uh, level five. That was a bad group. That's as high as it gets. It was a bad grouping of tornadoes. Something that's uh, something incredible. The power. The horrible, destructive power. America is continuing to make critical progress in our war against the virus. Over the weekend, the number of daily new infections remained flat nationwide, flat. Hospitalizations are slowing in hotspots like New York, New Jersey, Michigan, and Louisiana. This is clear evidence that our aggressive strategy to combat the virus is working, and that Americans are following the guidelines. It's been incredible what they've done. Uh, You looked at the charts, and the charts are, and the models uh, from early on predictions where 100 and 120,000 people look like, if they did well, they were going to, unfortunately, perish. And uh, we're going to be, hopefully, way, way below that number. So that will be uh, a sign of people doing things right. But it's still just a horrible thing all over the world.
1: And that's obviously true. This is a horrible thing all over the world. Also true is that the early models did predict something around 100 to 200,000 people. Actually, some of the early models suggested that 2.2 million people could die in the United States. That's the IMHE model uh, that's going around. And the IHME, it's, it's wholly irrelevant because the numbers have been so unbelievably wrong at this point. Uh, they have kind of lost all credibility in terms of you know should we buy into their models no obviously the models are what they are you put in numbers numbers come out so whatever you put in you're going to get out and clearly they're putting in garbage because they're getting out garbage now a lot of people will look at what Trump's saying here and say oh look at him he's patting himself on the back yeah he's also patting us on the back we've all contributed to the mitigation of this virus he uh he's thanking us as the american people for holding in there for being strong and for doing what we need to do to help our fellow Americans, and, oh, by the way, the federal response has been timely, decisive, and in accordance with all of the experts, as we're going to hear in a little bit here when Dr. Fauci takes the stage, but this is, I I mean, you can even hear it in his voice. This is not Trump being blowhardy or self-aggrandizing in any way. He's faced with the reality of the situation. He's faced it well, as have we He's given credit where credit's due, which is to us and to him, and most certainly not the media. So anyway, let's get right back into it. Donald, take it away.
2: 184 countries. This is all a tribute to our wonderful health advisors and experts who have uh, been with us right from the beginning. We appreciate it so much. In fact, uh, Dr. Fauci's here. Maybe I could ask Tony to say a few words before we uh, go any further thank you very much tony please
0: thank you mr president just a, one, a couple of things and then i just want to make a comment about something that happened yesterday you're going to hear from dr uh, Burks soon about the numbers that we've been talking about how things are starting to balance off and i think the more as we go by each day i think we're going to see then again i never like to get ahead of myself or uh, of dr burks but it looks like even though we've had a really bad week last week, remember when I was speaking to you before, I was saying this was really a bad week. Uh, there's still going to be a lot of deaths, but we're starting to see in some areas now that kind of flattening, particularly in a place that was a hot spot like New York. That's the first thing. The second thing is that I had a really very, very productive conversation with the Congressional Black Caucus uh, this morning. Uh, for about an hour, and they really wanted to know what exactly are we going to be doing in the immediate as well as the long range about the health disparities and the discrepancies both in infection and in poor outcome in the minorities in general, but specifically African American.
1: So he's talking about that because somebody on the left, of course, pointed out that this virus is disproportionately affecting people of color, particularly black people. They're having bad outcomes. Uh, I mean, there's... There's a litany of reasons as to why this is obviously when you're dealing with uh, more congested lower income neighborhoods, there happens to be a certain number of minorities there and a certain number of people of color there. Those areas are the less uh, are the least likely to be able to handle something like this. You've got a lot of people very close quarters you've got um you know obviously not not even within a, a particular house but let's say like a housing project or whatever it is. Uh, you got a lot of people that are basically right up on top of one another, so when there's a contagious virus going around, it's hard to mitigate the spread in those areas. There's also a a number of underlying health issues which already disproportionately affect the African-American community. Uh, Diabetes, heart disease, yada yada, those things make you susceptible to this disease more so than most, Um, but which is you know not that any of this is funny but i was told when we were calling this the china virus that the virus knows no race and knows no anything other you know knows no ethnicity which is kind of funny cuz a China's not a race it's a it's a nationality chinese is a nationality china is a nation um but now all of a sudden when they found some disparity in the communities of color and uh sure enough you know the leftists pointed that out, and they seem to think that the virus is racist or whatever. I don't, I don't know the ideology there, but you know that they want to cater to the minority groups because that's the only way that they get votes. And uh, so somebody pointed this out to Fauci, and Fauci did the right thing. He went and listened to the, uh, the, to the Black Caucus, and said like, okay, what can we do here? Let's talk this out. Let me hear some of your concerns. What are you guys seeing on the ground amongst your constituents, and I'll do what I can do to try to help. But again. As the Surgeon General was pointing out the other day, a lot of it has to do with life choices and uh, and health choices that are made in these communities that have led them to be more susceptible. And it really has nothing to do with the virus specifically targeting people of color. That's just silly, but there's a a litany of circumstances that have added up to them, unfortunately being uh, more greatly victimized by this than others. Um, But a lot of this can still be mitigated if you follow all of the proper Social distancing protocols and whatnot. And in particular, if you have diabetes, if you have a heart condition, regardless of your race, you should probably stay the fuck inside. Anyway, back to Fauci.
0: And I mean, I made it very clear to them that what we have to do is focus on getting the resources where the vulnerable are to be able to get testing done, to be able to get the appropriate um, uh, identification where proper and where appropriate to isolate and contact trace if we can, but also to help mitigate in a community that is, is suffering and suffering much more disproportionately. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. The other point I wanted to make is that I, I, I had uh, an interview yesterday that I was asked a, a hypothetical question. Uh, And hypothetical questions sometimes can get you into some difficulty because it's what would have or could have. The nature of the hypothetical question was if, in fact, we had mitigated earlier, could lives have been saved? And the answer to my question was, as I always do, and I'm doing right now, perfectly honestly say, yes. I mean, obviously, if mitigation helps, I've been up here many times telling you that mitigation works. So if mitigation works, and you instigate it and, and you initiate it earlier, you will probably have saved more lives. If you initiated it later, you probably would have lost more lives. You initiate it at a certain time.
1: All right, so he's going out of his way to address this because there was an interview over the weekend. Somebody asked him, could we have done something sooner? Would it have saved lives? And he said, yeah, obviously. I mean, everything that we're doing is saving lives. If we could have done it earlier, it would have saved more lives. That said, As he's about to explain, he's the health expert, he's the one who made the call, he's the one who goes to the president and suggests we need to take actions A, B, and C. The scientific data is saying X, Y, and Z. And then Trump has gone along with him every single step of the way, as you're about to hear. Go ahead, Tony.
0: That was taken as a way that maybe somehow something was at fault here. So let me tell you from my experience, and I can only speak from my own experience, is that we had been talking before any meetings that we had about the pros and the cons, the effectiveness or not of strong mitigations. So discussions were going on mostly among the medical people about what that would mean. The first and only time...
1: The first and only time... Just wanted to emphasize that. Go ahead, Tony.
0: That Dr. Burks and I went in and formally made a recommendation to the President to actually have a, quote, shutdown in the sense of not really shutdown, but to really have strong mitigation, we discussed it. Obviously, there would be concern by some that, in fact, that might have some negative consequences. Nonetheless, the President listened to the recommendation and went to the mitigation.
1: So there were people in the room that obviously didn't like the sound of shutting down the economy. If there was anyone in that room who least wanted to shut down the economy, it was probably Donald Trump whose entire presidency is hanging on the fact that the economy had been strong. He is the last one in the world who wanted to shut down the economy, but he was presented with the data by the supposed experts and he went with the experts. Any questions? Didn't think so.
0: The next second time that I went with Dr. Burks into the president and said, 15 days are not enough. We need to go 30 days. Obviously, there were people who had a problem with that because of the potential secondary effects. Nonetheless, at that time, the president went with the
1: health recommendations. So remember, hashtag die for the Dow, we're dying for Trump's economy, yada, yada, yada. He went. With the health recommendations, the medical information that was coming in, the medical experts that were approaching him saying this is a problem, we need to do something, he said, do it. Do it.
0: And we extended it another 30 days. So I could only tell you what I know and what my recommendations were. But clearly, as happens all the time, there were interpretations of that response to a hypothetical question that I just thought it would be very nice for me to clarify because they didn't have the chance to clarify. Thank you. You know, to be honest with you, I don't even remember what the date was. But I can just tell you the first and only time that I went in and said we should do mitigation strongly, the response was yes, we'll do it.
1: Again, the first and only time he approached the president and said, we need to take action. The president said, let's take action. What more could you want from the look? I put this out on Twitter and I'm asking any of you to come up with an explanation, right? Trump is the president. He relies on the experts. The experts rely on the data. And it turns out in a lot of cases, the data was wrong. But if any of you can come up with a better solution for how he should have handled this other than listening to the experts and the data, I would like you to present that to me. Any way, shape, or form you'd like, email, DM, regular old tweet, neon sign outside my apartment, whatever it is that you got to do, if you've got the plan, if you've got the magical solution that doesn't involve listening to the data and the experts, fuck, you should run for office. Seriously, I might vote for you if, in fact, that particular method works. But there is no such method because listening to the experts and following the data is the only way to handle this. And if the data is wrong, unless you have proof that Donald Trump was out there personally collecting the data, none of this can really fall on him. Now, if he strayed from the experts and more people died, absolutely, go nuts, he was wrong. But it appears that in all of this, the only time he strayed from the experts was when he wanted to ban travel five days before the WHO suggested banning travel. He was right. He saved Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives with that move. Every day, more and more people were coming in from China and from other parts of the world that may have been affected. He stopped that almost a week before he was told to stop that. So the one time he didn't listen to the experts, he was ahead of the experts. He was more correct than the experts, and everything he's done since has been in accordance with the experts. So if I'm keeping score, it looks like Trump won, experts zero, and even if you wanna give the experts some scores, Trump will always be plus one because of the one time that he deviated from the experts and he was correct and they were wrong. Back into the presser. Oh, by the way, the media is about to go nuts. Check it out. What did he do? Is that the travel restrictions? No,
0: uh, the travel restriction is separate. That was whether or not we wanted to go into a mitigation stage of 15 days of mitigation. The travel was another recommendation. When we went in and said, We probably should be doing that. And the answer was yes. And then another time was we should do it with Europe. And the answer was yes. And the next time we should do it with the UK. And the answer was yes.
1: So was the answer yes? I didn't quite pick up on that. Oh, it was yes all three times. They said, hey, Trump, you got to do this. And he was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. It's amazing. It's amazing that this has been spun in any other form or fashion other than the experts said and Trump did. That's all that's happened here, except for the one instance, as I pointed out, where he was ahead of the experts. You're welcome, by the way. Hillary would not have been. We probably saved your life. You said there was pushback. Where did that pushback come from? No, it
0: wasn't. That was the wrong choice of words. You know what it was when people discuss, not necessarily in front of the president, when people discuss, they say, well, you know, this is going to have maybe a harmful effect on this or on that. So it was a poor choice of words. There wasn't anybody saying, no, you shouldn't do that.
1: Are you doing this voluntarily? No, I'm doing it.
0: (laughs) Everything I do is voluntarily. Please don't even imply that.
1: This reporter thought she was going to get him to admit like, oh, no, the president's making me say all of this. Even if that were true, he would never say it anyway. But obviously, everything he's been saying and everything he said in regards to not only this, but every pandemic since the Reagan administration, this is why he pisses them off is because he was there doing this, not only for Reagan and Bush and now Trump, but he was also there doing it for Clinton and Obama. So they can't look at him and say, oh, he's some sort of partisan hack. No, this guy's been doing this for the entirety of my life. Fauci's not a political hack. Fauci's a medical professional. He never pretends to be anything other than that. No one should ever treat him as anything other than that. And look, is the guy always right? No, but he knows a fuck ton more about epidemiology than I do than you do. That's for sure. Certainly more than Trump does, which is why Trump is listening to him. Anyway, let's get back into it.
2: So, So, Mr. President, the question is... By the way, the travel Mm ban, that was earlier. The Mm -hmm. travel ban was done earlier. And if you look at statistics, I happen to write a couple of them down. If you look at statistics, so on January 6th, that's long before the dates you're talking about, there were, CDC issued a travel notice for Wuhan, China, a notice before there was even a confirmed case of the virus in the United States. That's on January 6th. This is all documented uh, because we have so much fake news. I like to document things. January 6th, long before the dates we're talking about, CDC issued travel notice to Wuhan, for Wuhan. On January 11th, we have zero cases in the United States. Zero. We don't have any cases. So there are no cases reported that we know of. This is January 11th, the CDC issued a level one travel notice for health, while there were still no confirmed cases. So we had zero cases. People want me to act. I'm supposed to close down the economy, the greatest economy in the history of the world. And we don't have one case confirmed in the United States. That's January 11th.
1: This is also, mind you, at this time, the WHO hadn't yet confirmed that there was human-to-human transmission. There was a lot of misinformation that was going on around this time because most of the information was coming out through China, and the information that wasn't coming out through China was coming out through the World Health Organization, who might as well just be China. The China Health Organization, defund them now. Um, So, yeah, let's go ahead and just put that in perspective there, is that might there have been a greater crisis at that time than we knew about? Sure, but the data wasn't showing that yet. What did you want him to do? You want him to shut down all travel and all uh, businesses at that time? We didn't have a single case that we knew about in this country yet. It was definitely not the time to hit the panic button. And he waited until it was time to hit the panic button. And he knew it was time to hit the panic button because the fucking experts told him to hit the panic button. Let's go.
2: On January 17th, the CDC began implementing public health entry screenings at three major U.S. airports that received the greatest volume of passengers from Wuhan, at my instructions. There was not a single case of the coronavirus in the United States. So on January 17th, there wasn't a case, and the fake news is saying, oh, he didn't act fast enough. Well, you remember what happened. Because when I did act, I was criticized by Nancy Pelosi. By Sleepy Joe Biden, I was criticized by everybody. In fact, I was called xenophobic. I was asking Biden to please define that for me. <laughs> I was called other things by Democrats. And some others, not too many others, actually. So that, by the media, definitely. Now, on January 21st, this is long before the time we're talking, because when Tony, Tony's talking, I believe he's talking about the end of February. On January 21st, Okay? Still early. There was one case of the virus. At that time, we called it the Wuhan virus, right? Wuhan. There was one case. In the whole United States, we had one case. This is all documented. It all comes from you. A lot of it comes from you, people.
1: Oh, this is just the beginning of him throwing the media's own propaganda back at them. Remember, everybody, you know, Washington Post, relax America, like, or get a grip, America. The coronavirus isn't as dangerous as the flu. These articles were coming out from all sorts of outlets, from top to bottom, op-eds and news articles and science articles and all this sort of stuff. Everyone was playing this thing down. And so Trump was reacting to the information as it was coming in, and he's getting it directly from the experts. They're just speculating based on pseudo-experts that they can afford to sit down to do interviews or whatever the case may be. Um, But he was taking action while everybody is now freaking out, saying he didn't take action soon enough. He was taking action almost all the way back to the beginning of the year while, mind you, he was in the middle of being impeached. So, you know, just putting all that in context for you. Let's get back to the Donald.
2: On January 21st, the CDC activated an emergency operations center. There was just one case, one person. That's why that ad was such a phony. There was one person in the United States. You know, they use the ad, there's only one person. That, that statement was made at that time. One case in the whole United States, one case. I'm supposed to shut down the government, the biggest, the biggest uh, economy in the history of the world. Shut it down. We have one case. Seven cases were on January 31st. Now, on January 21st, there was a case. Not one person had died. You heard that, Steve, right? Not one person. So we have this massive country, the United States of America. We have the greatest economy in the world, bigger than China's by a lot, right? Because of what we've done over the last three and a half years prior to the virus, but including the virus. So we have the biggest economy, the greatest economy we've ever had, the highest employment numbers, the best employment numbers, best unemployment numbers also, the best of everything. So on January 31st, think of it. Not one person has died. Not one. Nobody died. Not one, John. I don't think you'll find any. This is reported by CDC, confirmed by the news, which doesn't mean anything to me because they don't tell the truth. But CDC reported, January 31st, not one person has died, and I issued a travel restriction from China. Think of it. So nobody died, and I issued. You can't get earlier than that.
1: And again, when he did that, he was called racist by Nancy Pelosi. He was called xenophobic by Joe Biden, who doesn't know how to spell that word. And the media kicking all over him. He's, he's overreacting. He's doing too much as if you can overreact in a situation like this. I mean, like, yeah, we can overreact in the sense of shutting down the entire economy, but in terms of making a big deal about a virus that we don't know much about that is coming to us from a- an adversary, basically, I mean, for all we know, this is a bioattack, right? Like, I mean, like, there's there's a number of, of causes. We still don't know the cause. There's a number of possible causes. There's a number of possible motives as to why this is spreading And no one knew anything about anything at this time. Like, even the World Health Organization was playing catch-up on what is actually going on with this virus. Not that I'm putting too much credit into them, but that's where everybody in the media is putting all their stock. So what did they know that Trump didn't know? The answer is absolutely nothing. And uh, they probably didn't know nearly enough for what they should have known, being that they are the World Health Organization. But they've forgotten that, and they're now the China Health Organization— so they're just kowtowing to whatever Emperor Xi tells them to say. Moreover, I implore anyone in the media, or any one of you, or any one of your liberal friends, or whoever it is that literally anybody at this point, somebody tell me the exact date and time that he should have started putting in travel bans. Tell me, when is the exact date and time? Because he did it four days before the supposed experts told him he should. They even told him, we don't think you should do that. He said I don't care. I'm doing what I want. My power is total. We're going to get to that a little bit later on, I think. And if not, I'll touch on it before we actually go. I only got about 40 minutes of this clip. The computer only holds so much of it. Um, but I, And I didn't want to go through the full two-hour press briefing. I wanted to get to the big hits, which were really in the first half an hour. But uh, he, he put that travel ban in place. He was called racist. No one will recognize that he did it before he was supposed to or before he was told to do it. And... He seems to get no credit for that. Again, the one time he deviated from the experts, he was right, and the experts were wrong. For that, he gets absolutely no credit. I'm not expecting him to get credit, frankly. The media is never going to get him credit for anything. We've actually—you know, it's funny. I was listening, to, and I think Glenn Beck, and they were talking about—you know, we used to joke that if Trump, like, found the cure to a deadly disease, the media would still find a way to shit on him. Like, right, like, if Trump cured cancer— Well, he may have not cured it necessarily, but obviously this is a disease that's going on. It is deadly. And he seemed to have found some early information about this treatment, the hydroxychloroquine, that he has been touting and has been working in almost every case that we've seen. And they're doing clinical studies on it now. And I have every right reason to believe that on the other end of those clinical studies, we will know how effective that drug is, and it will be effective by any objective measure, because it has been up to this point. Trump may have found the cure to a deadly disease, and the media shat on him for it. I mean, you literally can't make this stuff up. This was just a hypothetical a couple of years ago. Now it's reality. Let that sink in.
2: So we have nobody died, and I said, China, you can't come in. I'm sorry. Because I saw what was going on. Wasn't so much what I was told. It was that I saw what was going on, and I didn't like it. But I didn't speak to Tony about didn't speak to very many people about it. I didn't like it. So what did I do? Ready? January 31st, in the United States, not one person had died because of the, again, the Wuhan virus.
1: The Wuhan virus. I do love how he keeps going back to that because you know every single person in that room is cringing every time he says it, not because he's a racist, but because they've accused him of being a racist, and they all had printed headlines with that exact terminology at one point or another, and they know it, and it's it stings in their souls that they could be probably, they probably think, oh my god, I'm as racist as Donald Trump, like not even realizing their own narrative was bullshit. They've now bought into it whole cloth. And they've convinced themselves that they're racist now. This is, these are, this is our media. These are the people that are supposed to be telling you the truth, supposed to be giving you accurate information, and they don't even know what the hell is going on between their own ears, you know, other than Trump setting up camp because he lives there rent-free.
2: So I issued travel restrictions on that date, even though nobody died, and I got brutalized over it by the press because I was way too early. I shouldn't have done it. Brutalized by the press. But, you know, sort of I've been brutalized for the last four years. I used to do well before I decided to run for politics. But I guess I'm doing okay because, to the best of my knowledge, I'm the President of the United States, despite (laughs) the things that are said. So then, first mandatory quarantine in more than 50 years, we did. First mandatory in 50 years. The same restrictions that the Democrats and the media called xenophobic. Now, Joe Biden said he's a racist. Call me a racist because I said we're shutting down entry from China. To
1: to be fair, Mr. President, Joe Biden probably doesn't know what racist means. He probably thinks Chinese is a race. And in all fairness, that is where his family gets most of their money from. So just throwing it out there, he he had some motives there if he could figure out where he is.
2: We're shutting it down. He called me xenophobic, and he called me a racist, and other things. Since then, on a Friday night two weeks ago, Joe Biden issued a... It wasn't him, he didn't write it. I'm sure he doesn't even know that it was issued. But the people from his campaign, who are smart, people that write his little PR releases are pretty smart, reasonably good, not the best, but they're not bad. But they issued a statement saying that Joe Biden... Uh, agrees that the pres- that President Trump was right to close it down to China. Now he did that. Now he issued it on a Friday night. We've all heard about that. John Friday nights, right? In fact, his was later Friday night than I ever released mine on Friday nights. Okay, so he did. He did it pretty late. I mean, you know, like at eleven o'clock in the evening or something. You know, it's pretty late. Anyway, so Joe Biden issued, and it's one of those things. But
1: so Joe Biden, front runner for the Democratic nominee, establishment pick is is joe democrat right like he has been as Democraty as democrats can be for as long as you could possibly be them basically this guy's been office since the fucking birth of methuselah um he called trump a racist called him a xenophobe and then backtracked and said trump was right so is he racist and he is xenophobe or is he right Because it didn't sound like he backtracked on the statements of, like, he's racist, that he's a xenophobe. I think he still holds those to be true. But his reasoning was that he was banning travel from China, the establishment pick, the Democrat right now. And the media, still on occasion, calling him a racist and a xenophobe for the very comments that the guy that they're going to vote for, let's face it, said was racist and xenophobic and then backtracked and said, no, it wasn't. But they'll still do it. And they'll still vote for Biden. Because these people... Have no integrity whatsoever. You know, I was going to say they don't even have intellectual integrity, but they would have to have an intellect in order to have intellectual integrity. So no intellect, no integrity, certainly no intellectual integrity. You keep and score at home. Good. Let's get back into it.
2: In February, Nancy Pelosi said we should come to Chinatown. This is late February. Come to Chinatown. We think it's very safe. Come here. Let's all have... The big parade, Chinatown Parade, probably referring to San Francisco. And that's it. But I took this action early. And so the story in the New York Times was a total fake. It's a fake newspaper, and they write fake stories. And someday, hopefully in five years when I'm not here, those papers are all going out of business because Uh, nobody's going to want to read them. But now they like them because they write about me. Now, with that, (laughs) I have a couple of interesting we have. A few uh, clips that we're just going to put up. We could turn the lights a little bit lower. I think you'll find them interesting. Shit's about to hit
1: the fan, people.
2: Answer some questions. I'll ask you some questions because you're so guilty, but forget it. (laughs) Uh, But most importantly, we're going to get back onto the reason we're here, which is the success we're having. Okay? Uh, Please, you can put it on. Thank
1: you. So he's putting on, like, a PowerPoint, essentially. It's like a little video, and it starts off by saying that the media downplayed the virus.
2: People should be more concerned
0: right now with the flu in this country. A lot of people are concerned about
1: the
2: coronavirus because they're hearing a lot of news about it right now. But the reality is, comparing it to the flu, for example, it's not even close to being at that stage. What if it is worse? Is this a moment where maybe countries put politics aside, a little bit of pride aside, and do we have U.S. officials, should U.S., professionals such as yourself get involved how worried should americans
0: be about coronavirus coronavirus is not going to cause a major issue in the united states
1: i do like how the one person asking the only question that really matters in there is sean hannity of course like was putting together this montage to show how the media has been downplaying this but the only person in the clip that isn't downplaying it or questioning whether or not it's worth even talking about is sean hannity hilarious this is look this is informative yes but it is 100% trollery and make no mistake about it that's why he did this because the media have continued to propagate this nonsense that there is ineptitude in the federal response when there is simply no evidence of that again Trump's listening to the experts the experts are listening to the data now if you want to come down to me and explain to me why the data is wrong and how that's the fault of our administration man I am all fucking ears okay I would love to hear because I need to know at the end of the day, why this data is so off. And I think I know. I think it's because China has been manipulating it from the beginning and because they have their hand up the World Health Organization's ass and are using them as a puppet, the the WHO or the CHO, the China Health Organization. Um, They are obviously inept or evil or both, as I usually like to throw out there as the dichotomy. Um, I guess the trichotomy in that case. But we don't know why the data is wrong. We will find out eventually, I hope. But until that time, there is no one at fault other than the people collecting and distributing the data because everything else has been followed according to protocol. The scientists are reading the data. They're analyzing it. They're dumping it into models. They're analyzing the models. They're going to the president with courses of action. And the president is following up on every single thing they're asking him to do. What more could he possibly do? other than ignore the experts, which once more, the only time he did, he was right and they were wrong. Now the video gets into some of the actions taken by the administration.
2: Well, we've asked them to accelerate whatever they're doing in terms of a vaccine. We will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. To unleash the full power of the federal government in this effort today, I am officially declaring a national emergency. Medicare patients can now visit any doctor by phone or video conference at no additional cost. The first one million masks will be available immediately.
1: Now we get to the best part of the video where he plays this lengthy clip by Maggie Haberman of the New York Times. And the reason he's playing this clip is because absolutely no one in their right mind could possibly accuse Maggie Haberman of being some sort of pro-Trump person. She was identified by name in the leaked DNC emails as being a friendly to the Democratic Party and particularly to the Hillary Clinton campaign. They were saying in the emails, like, hey, if we need a story to drop, get it to Maggie Haberman. She's really good at pushing our narratives. That's not a direct quote. But it was very much along those lines, and there's no other way to interpret it. She's a friendly to the Democrats. She's not a friendly to Trump. And when she says these words, they should carry some weight. It's like when I say, like, oh, wow, when the Washington Post actually prints the truth, you know it's undeniable. When Maggie Haberman is giving positive critiques of of Donald Trump, you know that it is undeniable that Trump was doing the right thing here. Here's what she had to say as there were more cases, and it was clear that it was spreading out of China, where it originated. The president took this move that he was widely criticized for by Democrats and even some Republicans at the time, which was he halted a number of flights from China into the U.S. The idea was to halt the spread of the disease, keep transmissions to a minimum. He was accused of xenophobia. He was accused of making a racist move
0: at the end of the day, it was probably effective because it did actually take a pretty aggressive measure against the spread of the virus.
1: Now we get into the responses from the governors, both Democrat and Republican. Cuomo starts. Go ahead.
0: His team is on it. They've been responsive late at night, early in the morning, uh, and they've uh, thus far been doing everything that they can do. And I want to say thank you and i want to say that i appreciate it he returns calls he reaches out uh he's been proactive uh we got that mercy ship down here in los angeles that was directly because he sent it down here two thousand uh medical uh units came to the state of california these fms these these field medical stations uh and that's been very very helpful the president has been uh uh, outstanding uh, through all this. The vice president's
1: been outstanding. Members of the coronavirus task force, very responsive.
2: We had
0: asked if we could have, New Jersey could have access to a piece of the beds that are on the U.S. NS comfort, and the president came back, called me a short few minutes before I walked in here to say indeed they would grant that to New Jersey. So that's a big step for us in addition to all the other capacity. That news is literally hot off the press. And I thank the president and vice president who are on the call together.
2: President Trump approved Arizona's request for a presidential major
0: disaster declaration. I want to thank the president for a quick turnaround.
2: We requested this on a Wednesday and we had approval by Saturday morning. And we are grateful to the administration for their continued
0: support and responsiveness. Well, first of all, I want to uh, thank uh, the
1: the, the president, the vice president, for doing a really good job of communicating with all the governors. So you got governors on both sides of the aisle saying what a great job he's doing, how responsive he's been. You've got Maggie Haberman, like anti-Trump lunatic, collusion hoaxer, climate hoaxer, New York Times, failing New York Times writer, saying that, yeah, what he did probably worked. They got Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden calling him a racist and a xenophobe for a move that unequivocally helped and probably saved lives. No, not probably, definitely saved lives. Any single person that came over from China in those four or five days in between when he actually declared the ban and the WHO recommended to start putting in travel bans, every single person that could have come here could have spread that virus to somebody and those people could have spread it to somebody. We're talking about potential exponential life-saving decisions here. And at the same you know, not not to suggest that it would have been exponentially worse than it is, but like I said, one person comes across, they uh, you know, they infect two people, they infect two people, they infect two people, all of a sudden we've got our own little problem on our hands just with that particular infection, and that's only if it was one person, which it could have very well been an entire flight of people. Take that and multiply that out. It saved lives. Even the governors are on board. Even Maggie Haberman's on board. The media is about to absolutely lose it because they have no rebuttal to any of this. So what do they do? Because they can't just let this lie. Is they start attacking Trump asking him who made this video? And they're now pushing on Twitter that this is a violation of the Hatch Act, which I believe in lay terms basically says like you can't use the White House forum to make political statements, to make campaign statements, and they're making the insinuation that this is a political or a campaign-related video, when in actuality, what's going on here is that because the media has been so dishonest and because they've caused so much hysteria, because people assume that there's this gross ineptitude taking place inside the White House and with the leadership and with the pandemic response team, this needs to be undone. The media have lied they have caused way more hysteria than is absolutely necessary and the white house and the federal government are put have put this together to say hey we got this shit chill the fuck out turn off the news that's my quote not theirs necessarily but if if trump started making bumper stickers that said chill i got this trump 2020 i would i would wear one on my forehead Okay, this is, I got this, this is exactly what he's saying, is that everybody out there, if you're watching this and you only get your interpretation through the news of what's going on in these briefings, you now see exactly the spin that is going on on the part of the media, and by the way, us over here, the actual important people making the actual important decisions, we got this, chill out, stay home, wash your hands. Stay away from old people. We are all going to be fine on the other end of this. So they bust out the Hatch Act. They want to know, um, you know, who was produ- who produced this video because they wanted to know whether or not the campaign had produced the video or somebody in the White House had produced the video. As you'll hear, somebody in the White House did. And I'm going to probably wind this interview, uh, this this briefing down in a little bit here because we're getting close to an hour. Um, but I hope I get in all the good points that I wanted to get in. And that said. Um, They also, from there, the media, that's where I really wanted to go with this, is that the media take this video, which is a video exposing their propaganda, and they call it a propaganda video. The Chiron on CNN literally said, Trump turns briefing into propaganda session. Not making this up. Literally what it said. This is CNN, who needs to take a Good hard look at the mental health of the person who writes their Chirons. But I suppose if they were well to begin with, they probably wouldn't work at CNN. So, you know what? Never mind CNN. Use your resources for other things. Preferably not calling our president a racist for saving American lives. Preferably just a suggestion. Anyway, back to the tape.
2: So we could give you hundreds of clips like that from governors, including Democratic, or Democrat, as I call them governors, which is actually the correct term. Uh, we could give you hundreds of clips just like that. We have them. Uh, we didn't want this to go on too long, but I just want to say it's, uh, you know, it's very sad when people write false stories like, in that case, I guess it was gotten mostly from The New York Times, which is a highly, I mean, if you had libel laws, Uh, they would have been out of business even before they'll end up going out of business. So it's too bad. But we could have given you saw the statements. We have hundreds of statements, hundreds of statements, including from Democrats and Democrat governors. And if you look, they were all saying, we need ventilators. We need, you don't hear ventilators anymore. They have all the ventilators they need, which we were right
1: about. Fact check, true. Um, I actually was on a conference call for work the other day. I can't really disclose much more than that, but the gentleman who was on the call happened to be a uh, high-ranking doctor at Lenox Hill Hospital in New York, and he stated explicitly, everybody who needs a ventilator has a ventilator. As I think I reiterated on the show over the weekend, Andrew Cuomo, Governor Andy, he himself said that we have not lost a single life due to lack of resources. And while a lot of those resources were accumulated by the states, because that's how this is supposed to work, they were backed up at every conceivable turn by the federal government, whether you like it or not, CNN. The White House has been nailing this. Ventilators are not a problem. Remember? Ventilators. But the ventilators. Not a single person who has needed a ventilator has gone without a ventilator. Let's get back into it.
2: We said you're asking for too many. You don't need that. And in all fairness, these two people right here, Dr. Burks, Dr. Fauci, they said, I don't think they need that many ventilators. I said, I agree. At one point, and I'm not knocking New York for this, but they were asking, you remember, 40,000 ventilators. And that's more than they have all over the country. And we got them a lot of ventilators, and nobody's complained. We got them, as you know, beautiful. We built hospital rooms all over the country. Uh, the governor of uh, Louisiana, John Bell Edwards, was very nice. He said, you know what, you don't have to build the second hospital because good news is happening. They're not able to fill the beds. They needed two hospitals. We built one. It was perfect. We're getting — we're just starting the other. I called him up. I said, you think we should build the second one? I don't think you're going to need it. He said, let me get back. He got back. We didn't need it. Uh, with uh, Governor Cuomo, in all good spirit and faith, he wanted to have the Jacob Javits Center Uh, done. And we built 2,900 incredible beds. Incredible. Then we make it — we made it COVID and — or, to be exactly accurate, COVID-19. And — which was a lot of work. We had to change the ductwork. We had to seal up certain areas. We had to put uh, areas of uh, rooftop things over the beds. We did a lot of work, and we had it. But they never really had too much use for it. And they called also Mayor de Blasio. Rightfully, he called. He said, would it be possible to get more medical help? So now not only are we building facilities we're they're asking us for help because they're unable to man it. And we got him the help. We got Mayor de Blasio a lot of help. Then uh, when the uh, Javits Center wasn't used much. And then, as you know, the mercy, we took the mercy and we took the comfort and uh, we made them both Los Angeles and New York. Uh, We made them uh, COVID-adaptable, which was not easy to do. And we didn't get almost any people sent there. Uh, They didn't need them at the beginning because uh, they didn't need it for anything but this, because there were fewer accidents, fewer motorcycles, fewer everything. And what we did was like an incredible job, but they didn't need them. It turned out they were there, we were ready. You know the expression? They have an expression, ready, willing, and able. We were ready, willing, and able. What the Army Corps of Engineers did was a miracle.
1: Yeah, what the Army Corps of Engineers do is a miracle. Uh, These people are just amazing at the things that they could do. I mean, they're usually building these sites in the middle of war zones. They were building it in the middle of New York City, so slightly tamer atmosphere sometimes. um, And they were able to get in there and build hospitals. And Trump sent the, uh, I guess it's the USNS Mercy and USNS Comfort to Los Angeles, and New York respectively. You saw all the headlines. I talked about it last week. Oh my God, he finally sent this ship that Rachel Maddow said it would be a pipe dream for him to actually send the ship. And then sure enough, it was there in New York Harbor, the comfort in this particular instance. And everyone's freaking out. Oh, it's not taking on COVID patients. Well, it wasn't there to pick up COVID patients, but then they converted it based on public outcry to actually allow COVID patients. And they're not getting patients because COVID patients are being handled and handled well within the bounds of the existing medical infrastructure. So they didn't need to be sent to the USNS Comfort. So after everyone freaked out about, oh, they're not taking on COVID patients, they converted the ship to be able to take COVID patients. The problem was there weren't enough COVID patients to merit sending them to the ship. You can't make this stuff up. Go ahead, Don.
2: What, What FEMA did was a miracle. What the doctors did... So I got a call two days ago from uh, the mayor of New York. He said, could you help us even more with medical personnel? And we sent, uh, I think it was 448 doctors, nurses, and respiratory experts, real experts. And I got a call from the mayor and he said, I want to tell you, incredible, these people are incredible. He said, they lifted the spirits of the hospital workers from New York City like nothing I've ever seen. He he was unbelievable what he said, was really appreciated. And I let them know that. I let the military people. He said, they went in there so brave, so incredible. They lifted the spirits of everybody. We did all of this work. But when you read the phony stories, you, nobody, nobody acknowledges this.
1: Yeah, all right. So part of this is an ego stroke, right? Like, let's not pretend that the man doesn't have an ego and that he doesn't want to be patted on the back for the good job he's done. But here's the thing. He's actually done objectively a good job from top to bottom on this. Again, he's listened to the experts. He's provided all the care that was necessary. They built hospitals. They built ventilators. They bought ventilators. They asked private industry to convert their shops into being able to make PPE. They had entire companies come up with processes for cleaning masks. They sent medical help. They sent two ships. They sent military personnel. They sent the Army Corps of Engineers. They did every single thing they needed to do. And yeah, does does Trump want credit for it? Yeah, absolutely he wants credit for it. He deserves credit for it. But more importantly than that, more importantly than any of this, more important than Trump's ego or even the, the office of the president in, in general, is that the media is telling the public that our leadership is messing up when handling a global pandemic of a uniquely contagious disease that is fairly lethal in certain cases. And they're telling those people, our leadership is dropping the ball. Causing more hysteria than is necessary in both the markets and in society, and even in terms of the people who get this disease. Even I was feeling a little under the weather, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, like this is going to be... This could be it. This could be the end. You know, like you start letting those thoughts creep in, particularly when you haven't had any real social interaction for any period of time. They're creating hysteria, and that hysteria is causing more problems. Less problems, good. More problems, bad. I'm sorry I have to explain this, but in case one of the lunatics in the media happens to be listening to this, I needed to spell it out very clearly. More problems, bad. Less problems, good. You guys are causing more problems by causing hysteria based on ineptitude that there is zero evidence of. Back to the tape.
2: And it doesn't have to be acknowledged from my standpoint, but it does have to be acknowledged from the great work that these doctors, nurses, the Army Corps of Engineers, all these people, they've done this incredible job. And they shouldn't be abused because you take a look at what's happened Nobody's asking for ventilators, except outside of our country. Outside of our country, they're calling me every country. They're calling me so many countries. And I'm going to try and help them because we have thousands of ventilators being built.
1: And there are just a couple narratives shot just in that sentence. I know that must have kind of gone past a few people because he's just kind of bloviating at this point. And that's fine. But he wanted to give credit to other people. I was told that Donald Trump wants credit for every minutiae detail of everything, even when he didn't have anything to do with it. He wants to help other countries. I was told his America first agenda is xenophobic, if not altogether racist, but it's America first, not America only. He's willing to help these other countries because, and this is where it really is going to bother the media, we've done so well handling this that we now have the ability to help other nations. It's almost like there was a brilliant host of a wonderful podcast, let's call it The Right Opinion, who said that at the end of this, this will be yet another example of American exceptionalism, and not only will we handle this better than everyone else, but we will then nurse the rest of the world back to health after this, proving once and for all why we are who we are and how we got here. No? Go back. Go back a couple episodes. Go back three or four episodes. It's there because I said it because it's true. Anybody who's ever fucking paid attention to anything that goes on in this country knows that we always come out on top. Always. Two hundred, nearly fifty years and counting. Came out in the revolution. Came out in the war in 1812. Came out of our own civil war. Probably a better nation than we were before we went into it. Definitely a better nation before we went into it. Because we ended up abolishing slavery on the other end of it. We've won... Three world wars now, because if you count the one that happened at the beginning of the year uh, with Iran, we've won three, undefeated, 3-0 in world wars. We always come out on top. We've beaten pandemics. We've beaten terrorism. We've beaten our own shortcomings. We, I mean, we are unbeatable. We are the undefeated champions of nations. Will that change one day? Yeah, probably. Everything comes to an end, but it damn sure ain't going to be happening on Donald Trump's watch, not if he has anything to say about it. And here he is, just scolding the media. And rightfully so. These people deserve to be called to the carpet and spanked once in a while because they're bad. Bad boy and girl. Don't want to be discriminatory. Bad sir. Did I forget the Zims? Or is that in, that's an invader? That's an old reference. I never even watched that show. Anyway, let's get back into it. But
2: nobody's asking for ventilators. Nobody's asking for beds because we built hospitals. I think we built 20,000 beds in a period of couple of weeks the job they've done is incredible with all of that being said i'm getting along very well with the governors and if i wouldn't mike pence had a call today with the governors and it was like a 10 i said how was it he said it's a 10 he used one of my expressions actually
1: Uh uh-oh we are days away from headlines of how long until mike pence grabs him by the pussy (laughs) Oh no, he's using Trump's expressions. He's like the one reasonable guy, even though we hate him so much, we won't even remove Trump from office because we think this guy—they're still under the delusion that Pence wants to like electrocute gays back into being straight again. He will have a—he'll have a hat with a Confederate flag on it. That says, "Make the queer straight again," you know, like whatever it is. That'll be his presidential uh, campaign in a few years. Uh, or at least there'll be a there'll be a few leftists out there who make these hats up and wear them at rallies. I could guarantee it. Like I, can, I guarantee it'll happen. Not that I care, cause Pence, Pence will probably run in twenty twenty four, but he doesn't stand a chance. Like unless he brings in one of the Trump kids to be his VP or something along those lines, which is highly unlikely. Because like why would he want that shitstorm all over again? He'd rather not be president probably than deal with all of the things that come along with being associated with the Trump. But then again, he was the VP under the Donald. So the chances are that that stigma is forever there and will never be forgotten about by our ever-diligent media who can't seem to put facts together, but they can hold a grudge with the best of them anyway. All right, so we're like an hour into this. I think you guys are getting the hint here. A little bit later on, this is one last point that I wanted to make here, is that he starts talking about his powers in opening up the country. He put out a tweet saying basically the president has— uh, I don't know, he said absolute total power, I think is the, the exact fr- uh, phrase that he used. So he's, he's claiming that the executive has total power in these states of emergencies to reopen up all of the governments. Is this true? No, it is not true. The 10th Amendment dictates that any power is not enumerated to the executive or Congress in the Constitution falls on the states, if not the individuals. So he doesn't technically have the authority to just say everybody's got to open back up again. But... Politically speaking, he's 100% correct, and here's why. Let's pretend for a second you're a Republican governor, and Trump says, we're going to open everything back up. You're going to go, okay, let's open everything back up, because why wouldn't you? There's no there's no motivation for you as a Republican to go against a Republican president, and some of them have already, actually some of them are the ones that have their states that were never locked down to begin with. Only some of them have finally closed down in the last week or so, but like Ron DeSantis had Florida open. For business, Wyoming open for business. Utah, I think, was another one. Doesn't really matter. It was a few states. There was like seven of them. Most of them had Republican governors, and that's why they were the ones that remained open. That they their extraordinarily rural societies, like there's no, they, they they practice social distancing as a lifestyle out there. It, the people live so far apart. It really, and, and they can take the minutia mitigation efforts that are necessary in order to not infect one another. It's not a big deal. That's why they weren't locked down now if you're a Democrat governor, there's zero chance that you will open up your state before Trump says so. Because if God forbid you do, and even one person that shouldn't have died dies, you will never hear the end of it. Furthermore, when Trump says to open back up, you do not want to be the state that's not opened back up. People are going to be very, very mad at you if you live in California. Let's say you live in California, you live in New York, New Jersey, whatever it is, And your governor saying, yeah, the whole nation's opening back up, but we're not going to open back up. People are going to be fuming, especially when they see that people are out and about and and there isn't like an uptick in cases. That's going to be even worse PR for that governor. So while no, Trump does not technically have the legal authority to just wave a magic wand and tell everybody that they have to open back up, politically speaking, he's got all the power here. Because everybody's been ridiculing him so badly for all of these missteps, supposedly all along the way, even though there have been none. That if a governor goes rogue and does their own thing and it ends up being detrimental to anybody in their state, they're done politically. Um how do you possibly justify I opened up before the president said so because I thought I knew better, and then people die? Even not even worse, that would be the worst case scenario. But on the other end of the spectrum, it ain't a whole lot better. Where the rest of the nation is going back about their business and you're still sitting in your apartment wondering what the fuck your governor's problem is. You'll know exactly what your governor's problem is. It's that he's doing this. He's sticking it to you to stick it to Trump. Is anybody going to be really cool with that? I don't care how much you love your governor. And I don't, And look, you might, even, you might not switch parties over it. You might not even change your vote the next time around. But that governor will be primaried and that primary candidate will in all likelihood overtake that governor even like the Cuomos of the world, will not be immune from this. And I'm willing to bet that they are two most vocal people that, that outside of this situation have nothing but bad things to say about the White House. In Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, and Andy Cuomo, the governor of New York, they will be in lockstep with Trump. And if they're in lockstep with Trump, you can bet pretty much everybody else is going to be in lockstep with Trump. So is is Trump this great constitutional scholar? No. Does he have the absolute power? No de facto, he does. Because at the end of the day, everybody's looking at him to make the move. He's looking at the data. They're getting the most accurate data. They're getting the most up-to-date data. They're getting the most data, not only from the states themselves, but from all, uh, all the other countries around the world. Hopefully, they're not taking China's um, you know numbers all that seriously. But at the end of this, I mean, we're going to have to have a long conversation about how we handle these things in the future. Do we go with the more South Korea model? Do we like dox people and let them kind of go about their business? Do we go with the Sweden model where we don't really shut anything down at all? Do we go with uh, the Italian model that shut everything down way too late? There's there's multitude of options. Will we know what the best one for us was? I don't know. I mean, maybe we have to go through a few of these things to figure out what the best course of action is for America, because America is unlike any other nation, and as I mentioned before. At the end of this, we will remain unlike any other nation. We will be the ones left standing, nursing the rest of the world back to health, because that is what we do. We are exceptional. Xenophobic all you want. I don't care. American exceptionalism is a thing. American privilege is the only privilege I want to hear about, and we all have it, because we all have the luxury of living in this great country, even in these tumultuous times. It's good to know. That we have a good, strong leader at the helm. Believe me. Anyway, that's it. I'm done for the week here. Go check out the press conference. It's from April 13th, 2020. You can Google it. I ripped all of this right off of the White House YouTube page, so you could probably go there and get it. But that's just about it. I feel like I've I've filled in here. I was just I was dying laughing as I'm watching this whole thing. Because it just, it started with Fauci bitch-slapping the media on a couple of fronts. No, I'm not being told to do this. Yes, the president's listening to me every step of the way. No, there hasn't been a single point in time where I've asked him to do something that he hasn't done it. And for that matter, the most important part of what Fauci was saying is that all of these conversations that the media is reporting, oh, we knew back then, we knew this, the government was aware of this. Yeah, the government was, Fauci was. Fauci and and Burks were having closed-door conversations about this thing, and it wasn't until they presented it to the president that the president even had this on his radar, because he was being impeached, he's got a lot of other stuff going on, he's got an election to worry about. None of those things are excuses, per se, but until the experts present him with the information, there's nothing really for him to do. Could he have acted without the information? Wouldn't that have seemed a little rash and crazy? Yeah. And, and I'm told he's rash and crazy, so you would figure that's exactly what he would do. Meanwhile, on Twitter, hashtag dictator Trump is, is trending, despite the fact that the guy has used, he, he is, he's done everything he can to not fully strangle people with the full force of the federal government and all this. He has even kind of deferred from using the Defense Protection Act, uh, Defense Production Act against companies but he has leveraged it saying we will use it if you don't do x y and z and then those companies have all come back and said yeah x y and z it is then that's fine we'll do what you need us to do we're here to help people despite the fact that the the news and the liberals are always telling you that the corporations are evil you know devices out there designed to enslave people yeah ask that to somebody right now who lost their job and is having difficulty feeding their bill uh, feeding their families and paying their bills do they, were they enslaved in retrospect? Because it seems like they were given an ability to provide. And now they don't have that anymore. And those companies that are hurting as badly as the people are, although it's obviously not quite felt as much because of the much larger pool of cash they're working with, but those companies are hurting too. And in this time of need, everybody from 3M to Tesla to GE to the fucking My Pillow guy are stepping up to do the right thing here. And that's awesome. And we should commend them all. And we should commend the president who has done this by the book every single step of the way. Now, you want to tell me the book's wrong? Cool. Somebody's going to have to write a different book before this happens again. Because up until that time, I'm expecting the president to handle things by the book, by the numbers, by the experts. And again, I'm not putting too much stock in the experts because they could be wrong too. Because the data can be wrong. Because the source of the data could be corrupt. All of that may end up being true. But propose another alternative. Do you want Trump to ignore the experts? Do you want Trump to go rogue and just go off of instinct? Because personally, I might be okay with that. But I know a lot of you out there listening, probably not and certainly not your liberal friends, the clowns in the media, and the fools on the hill. I think that's it. I think that's all I got for this week. Thank you for listening. As always, follow me on Twitter, on Parler, on Instagram, on Minds at Right Opinion Pod. Email the show the Right Opinion Pod at gmail dot com and be sure to subscribe to the right Opinion dot com or follow the right opinion on iTunes, Google Play and Stitcher. Also check out hackerhommein.podbean dot com for all the best in professional wrestling, conspiracy, free thought, pop culture, all of that wonderful stuff. They got movie reviews and show reviews and It's it's a world of entertainment. Go check it out, hackerhameen.podbean.com. And last but not least, check out ratsaladreview.com for all of your rock and roll and metal news and album versus albums and just general badassery talk in addition to their shows about fighting, their shows about South Park, their shows about all sorts of stuff on ratsaladreview.com, including The Right Opinion. So let me remind you that opinions are in fact like assholes. Everybody's got one, but this asshole has the right opinion right here on the rightopinion.podbean.com and hackerhameen.podbean.com and ratsaladreview.com. And here's a word from Wayne Noon of ratsaladreview.com. Wayne, take it away. Folks, I'll talk to you next time. Peace. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Ratsalad Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Ratsalad Review.
0: Where they discuss the latest rock and metal news As well as interviews and albums Album vs. Album The King Diamond Podcast With Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle And sometimes this guy a Ralph Vieira is also on our network With the Vieira Bowl There's also Old Man Metal's Musings Where he discusses heavy metal and beer Music is life with Lou Mavs The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics A South Park Podcast called Suck My Balls The Infinite Fringe I watch a long wrestling show called Beyond Bushido, ex Stradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolkien podcast, and the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like podcast and The Laugh Cast. So check out RatSoundreview.com or search RatsoundReview Review on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more.